Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So we've, we've had four weeks of this series called Provision Principles and we got two more left. Uh, now the first week, just really quickly, we talked about how uh, we really talked about a scripture, a man's life doesn't consist in the things that he possesses. So we talked about like who we are, what we have doesn't define who we are. Okay, say that with me. Say, what I have doesn't define who I am. It's important for everyone to know that because like when, you know, especially in Christianity, uh, we're new creatures in Christ and that's who we are. It isn't the things, it's who God makes us. Then the second week we looked at the fact that Solomon was the richest and wisest person on the earth and, and even though he had all that wealth and knowledge, he wasn't a happy guy, he wasn't satisfied. So we looked at that money, things can't make you happy and they can't satisfy you. The next week Patsy ministered and we looked at and saw just how powerful, awesome God is and how he's our uh, supplier and that he's so willing to meet all of our needs. So even though it doesn't make us happy, even though that th- what we have doesn't define us, God is still willing to meet all of our needs in an abundant way. And then the week after that, we uh, looked at how, how is money connected to our life, like the purpose of our life and God's purposes. How does money fit into all that? How does it connect? And that's what we looked at the last time. So today, we want to just start looking at more today and next week uh, principles and just like nuts and bolts mechanics, okay? So here's some mechanics, nuts and bolts here, like common principles of provision. Uh, like th- these things seem to be like through the scriptures, you notice this when you see pr- provisional miracles, you, you notice these kind of things. So you notice that there's, first of all, they recognize the need. So if you have a need, it's your, it's your part. That's what you do. You recognize your need. Then you make a request that's our part two but then after you make the request god will do a part he'll give you direction or instruction okay that's god's part and then after that you know it's up to us to do our part and that's act on the instruction you know we need to act on what god says and then finally then god will do his part and he'll answer and respond to what we ask okay so that's we're going to look at that today and break it down now this reminds me of what happened in 2008 there was the financial crash and uh, when that financial crash happened um, we we have a ministry called Caminetti Ministries it's a corporation because obviously you can tell that I I wasn't born here and we were in ministry in first off in the United States. So we have a corporation there called Caminetti Ministries. And, because, and praise God for that because we've been able to send finances here and bless over here in Australia and other parts of the world that we've ministered. But when that financial crash happened, our finances that were coming in there, we saw a drop. So our accountant got a hold of us. Uh, we have a Christian accountant that looks after that. And the accountant said, I really recommend that you decrease your giving. Uh, she, she said you're giving too much money to other ministries and you're not a church you're giving like a church you're giving like a larger church and and you're not even a church and she said I really recommend that you decrease your giving 
and I didn't make a move or anything like that, and I was thinking about it, and so my brother-in-law, who has ministered here, and some of you may know Mark Hankins, he either was here in Australia or I talked to him on the telephone, and I said, hey, you know, I'm just bouncing this off of you. I was, you know, it was suggested that we decrease our giving because of the financial situation in the world, and we saw that our, our income, like the money coming into the ministry has gone down, uh, what do you think about that? And I was already thinking, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it, but I just want to, and I kind of know my brother-in-law. I knew what he was going to say because he's really into giving, okay? And he goes, well, you know, with his deep, if you know him, he has a real deep voice. He goes, well, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't decrease. If anything, I'd increase. You know, that's kind of, it's a bad Mark Hankins. <laughs> Is that pretty good? Thanks. Anyway, <laughs> so he, he said, you know, I wouldn't decrease. I would I would increase if I were you. And, you know, we actually did. Instead of decreasing, we increased. And uh, so we, you know, we how do I want to say it? It's like sometimes you think the way to get out of a problem is to decrease your giving, but really the best way out of a problem is to increase. It's better to give your way out of things than to uh, stop giving and thinking that's going to fix the problem. <clears throat> so that, that's what happened. So along... Along this lines here, let's look at the negative side of this, and then we'll go on, but here's some things that can stop provision. So first of all, what can stop provision is not admitting there is a need. So that's really with anything. Like, I like to say it this way, that faith, it doesn't deny reality, but faith changes reality. And sometimes when people think about faith, they think faith is a denial of reality. In other words, you sweep things under the rug. But faith does not sweep things under the rug. It doesn't deny reality. But if we use our faith, it can change reality. Is an example with sickness, uh, saying that I'm not sick is denying reality. You, f you, you have to at least say, well, I am sick. Then you take the promises of God, and the promises of God says, by his stripes I'm healed. You apply the promise, and you change the reality, and, and healing comes. So your reality, you were sick, the reality's changed, and now you're healed. You don't deny you're sick, you don't deny reality, but faith changes, it. it's, changes that. It's the same way with, with finances. You, you know, so you want, it to, you want to acknowledge your need. That's the first thing. So if you don't admit you have a need, it really kind of, God can't help you. Then secondly, uh, after you acknowledge a need, you want to ask, actually make a request. Now I remember like way back in somewhere in 1984, I spoke in a denominational church in Pennsylvania and I was really rough around the edges. You know, I have to thank my wife helped me a lot and getting not so rough I grew up with six brothers and we were rough and tough so I, I was a little rougher back then I was in this church and before I they, they told me I had to do this they said you have to ask who has prayer requests before you teach the word today so when I got up there I said does anybody have any prayer requests and so somebody said I have one and I said well what is it and they said it's an unspoken prayer request <laughs> and so you know being I said unspoken I said, well, if it's uns how, how do we know what to pray for? We, we need to get a promise, you know. If you're not going to say anything, and I'm like this, you know, and I'm getting really mad about it, you know, and, I, and, and um, see, it, I, I've gotten better. So, uh, so you know, it's like you, you want to acknowledge your need, but once you acknowledge your need, you have to make the request. And, and to make the request, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, to make your request, it's nice to know promises and what God says. And then after you make that request, you, you know, ignoring promptings concerning the need. You know, so 
God, when you make a request, he can actually prompt you to do something. So I, I remember this testimony, and you don't want to follow another person's prompting, but I remember a minister, the Lord prompted him to give his car away. So he gave his car away and talked about how he got blessed with a nicer car. So somebody in the congregation heard that, and they gave their car away, but because they heard that, and they had to walk for one year. <laughs> you know, so you don't, if God prompts you to do something, you don't want to follow somebody else's prompting. You want to make sure you're hearing from God for yourself or not copycats, you know. And uh, so then also ignoring God's promises or commands or instructions concerning the need. So, like, that can stop provision. So what does that mean? Well, God, we have promises. Uh, there's actually principles and promises and all that in the Word. And so sometimes somebody says, well, I need a, a, a special word. Well, if there's already a promise about it, you don't need a word about it. And if you do get a word, the word should lead you to the promise. The word should confirm the promise. Uh, so we don't need any special words. We, we have enough promises and enough things in the Bible to really get us through. Okay, and then if God ever chooses to send a special word, praise God for that. But we should build our life on the word and then let God do anything else he wants to do. So there's promises, there's commands, there's instructions, uh, and there's those promptings, and we don't want to ignore those. And then uh, lastly, and this is really important, like wrong beliefs followed by wrong talking can nullify truth, promptings, commands, or instructions. So, you know, what does that mean? Well, if there's a promise, you know, and it says, like, and there's a lot of them, Paul says to the Philippians, you've given, and you've given once and once again, and because you've done that, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. That's a promise. Well, do we talk, do we believe and talk in line with the promises so here's an example you could sit in church and uh john uh, he was here for both services so he slipped out for the second service he did a great job gave a great word when he received uh the, the offering today uh you know so you can put your finances in or you can do it online you give and according to, to to the bible when you give we believe that it's coming back to us good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will men give back to us in all different kinds of ways so that's what the Bible says, but you can actually give, and then after you give, you walk out the doors or you, you push the button online or whatever, however you give, and then you can talk lack. You, it's unbelief and it's lack. So uh, we were like talking to Annalisa because now she's on her own and she pays rent. She, you know, all the things that when somebody grows up and they, you know, they're in your house and then they move out and they learn to pay the rent, pay this, pay that, you know, and, and live on their own. And, and so she made this statement, she said, wow, she goes, money can really go fast, you know. And I remember when she said that, there was a minister, um, he was in the grocery store and he was in line and he heard somebody in line when they, when they said how much their grocery bill was, they said, man, money goes fast. And right when the minister was saying that, the Lord spoke to that minister and says, don't you talk that way. You say instead, money cometh to me now because you're a giver and money should be coming to you. So you do pay your bills. But if you say money goes faster than it comes, that's like nullifying what the promises of God say. He says if you're a giver and you give consistently, it's coming back to you and that all of your needs are going to be met abundantly. That's what he says. So we, we don't want to nullify 
and, and make of no effect the promises of God. So we want to believe and talk in line with what we do. It's really important to do that. So here's some stories, a few, uh, three different stories from the Bible that show us what I'm talking about. So the first one is the valley full of water. Okay, and the first thing you see is that the need is identified. So 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout, route seven days. And I, I noticed that the roundabouts were here way back then. You know, now I grew up in Ohio, and we didn't have any roundabouts. And then I, had, I was in Louisiana once, and they have some roundabouts in Louisiana. And I, and I used to serve another minister. His name was Kenneth Hagan. And I, there were times I had to fly with him and rent a car and then take him and take care of him during a meeting. So this happened in Louisiana. I was, we were actually at my brother-in-law's church, and I wasn't prepared for the roundabouts. Okay, so I got on a roundabout, and it had about five or six different ways off. And I got on, and I didn't know how to get off. I didn't know where to get off. And we're going around in a circle, and I'm here with the boss, you know, like the, the man that everyone respects. And I, and I thought, I don't know where to get off this roundabout. So he finally goes, get off over there, you know. And, and he, he, he picked the right one, and we got to the church. I thought, make a note of that. Be ready for these roundabouts. <laughs> but anyway, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, by the way. Just a little side journey. Okay, so then going back to this, it says, and there, and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. And so here, what they're doing, what the first thing we do is we saw that you recognize the need. They recognize the need. There's no water for the army, and, and they didn't have water for the animals. That's the first step, okay? Then what we see, they made a request. Now, this is the Old Testament, so notice how they made, it was lined up with the Old Testament and, that, and the way that things were there. In other words, with doctrine, with methods, and all those things. So 2 Kings 3.11, it says, but Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So that one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. So that's really in line with the way it is in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we don't have to go ask a prophet, to, like if you're in a financial situation. In the New Testament, you're born again. The Holy Spirit comes in you. In the Old Testament, the only ones that were anointed was the prophet, the king, and the priest. But in the New Testament, every believer is anointed. We all have the Holy Spirit. We get saved. We learn who we are in Christ. We find out who he is, what he has, what he can do. We find out who we are, what we have, and what we can do. We learn how to be led by the Spirit. And when we get into a situation, we have promises. We hear from God. We know who we are, and we should be able to know what to do. If God chooses to do something above that, cool, but we don't have to go looking for it. And so, But this is Old Testament, and they did the right thing for back in that covenant. So they, they wanted to get some direction. So then they got it. You see, uh, they, there was the need. There, they got the request. Now here's the, the direction, 2 Kings 3 and verse 16. It says, and he said, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. So that's the direction. Okay, do something. Make the valley full of ditches. So I was thinking, you know, hey, there's different people there, and I could probably think that um, there may be some that said, oh, five ditches. Maybe let's, some might say, let's do 10, maybe 20, 50, 100. You know, they're probably, depending on how big they thought. But I was just thinking, you know, that, 
that uh, whole thing about making ditches, here's a phrase here, digging ditches represents a response to God's promises, instructions, or commands, and is it, it's an act of faith. So what, what does that mean? Well, basically, uh, when God gives even a promise or he gives instructions, we take that. So uh, for, for us, it would be like I know for us as a family, way back when I got saved, I told you this a couple weeks ago if you were here, here, as soon as I saw that it was scriptural to tithe, I became a tither. So that's been going on for about 37 years with me for tithing. I've only pastored seven years. So I, I didn't become a tither because I was a pastor and I was promoting tithing. I became a tither because I was a Christian and I believed it was the right thing to do. So it happened 30 years before I ever start pastoring and I did it 30 years before I became a pastor. But you get the promise, you get what God says and you start doing it. But then you can actually do offerings. That's even above your tithe, where you give tithes and offerings. So we've, we've been more than tithers. We've been offering givers. We give on top. We give more than the tithe. And that's kind of like digging ditches. You know, like how, what, kind of, what kind of room do we make for God to do things? So the, it's, uh, this lines up with the Bible. So the Bible says if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you reap generously. So it's all, it's all in the Bible. So it's really up to each individual Christian. It's important to know that everyone that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord is going to go to heaven. It's important to know that we don't have to come under any guilt or condemnation concerning our giving. It's up to each Christian individually. We're, we're all going to be in heaven someday, and we're all going to be uh, up there, and we're going to be rewarded. And, but there should be no guilt, condemnation. There should not be any pressure, twisting of arms, and making people. Everyone could do it out of their free, uh, free will, but we just have to know if you sow sparingly, you reap. And if you sow generously, you reap. And if we do what the Bible says, we can expect God to do what he says, okay? And it's just really that simple. And then 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 20, then God did his part. So we see that there was the need they recognize it. They made a request. There was direction. Now we see that God's doing his part. It says, now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Edom and the land was filled with water. And so this really shows us that the land was filled with water. They dug a lot of ditches. They, they, they made room for God to supply by digging a lot of ditches. And I like the way that it says suddenly. And it's like, you know, somebody preached a message many years ago, and it was called, like, Saturday's Coming. And it was like this real message that kind of went as much as it could do back in those days because they didn't have Internet, and they didn't have <laughs> Facebook, and they, everything wasn't posted. But it almost, in a sense, it went as viral as it could go where Saturday, your Saturday's coming. In other words, you sow and you sow and you sow, your payday's going to come. Maybe it was called Payday's Coming, not Saturday. Anyway... <laughs> But, sorry, but it was, it was a message that really got, like, you, you know, you, you do your part, and you know, you, you make room, and then I like the way this, there's suddenlies in the Bible. There's immediates and there's suddens, and there's a suddenly, and, and the, the need was met. Okay, so that's, that's one story. Let's look at another one, like the never empty jug and jar. So this is like, uh, like awesome too, the way this happened. So 1 Kings 17 and verse 10, it says, so he got up and went to Zarephath, when he went through the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. He called out to her, please give me a cup of water so I can take a drink. As she went to get it, he called out to her, 
please bring me a piece of bread. She said, as certainly as the Lord your God lives, I have no food except a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Right now I'm getting a, uh, gathering a couple of sticks for a fire, then I'm going to home to make one final meal for my son and myself, and after we have eaten, we will die of starvation. So there was a, you know, there was a, a, a drought, and because of the drought, they had no, they were running out of everything. So they, uh, they're, this is like stating the need. Like, we have enough for one more meal, we're going to eat it, and then we're probably going to die. They, they declared what they needed. Okay, so even after they did that, there's immediately instruction and here it is, it's the Old Testament again. So Elijah is the prophet, and that's, that's the way that God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he spoke through Jesus Christ, and now we have the Holy Spirit. But he says back here, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go and do as you plan, but first make a small cake for me and bring it to me, then make something for yourself and your son. So here is instruction here. Here's what you do. You first, do, you first serve me, and so we, you know, nowadays we're, we're here serving the body of Christ in the local church. It'd be more like this. You don't, you don't like, you all don't have to do something for me personally, but it's sure good if we put church first, you know, and do that. God, church, before ourselves. You know, build the Lord's house first and then build, he'll help build your house. And that's kind of like it's in the Bible and I'm not saying anything that's not there. So what you see there is he says, do this first, and then after that, make something for yourself. So that was like what he said. So then in 1 Kings 17 and 14, it says, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be empty and the jug of oil will not run out until the day the Lord makes it rain on the surface of the ground. So he said, you do that, and this is what I'm going to do. And then what we see is then she acted and this is really important. Verse 15, she went and did as, as Elijah told her. So now, like just translate that into the church world. You know, it's not what I say because if I say something that doesn't line up with the Bible, you shouldn't believe it. I should only say things that line up with the Bible. Now, there's certain times that there could be a, a, a particular word, and if the Lord gives a particular word, you act on it so as an example like there's not a scripture in the bible that ever told patsy and myself to move out of our home country 24 years ago and go to italy there's no scripture there but that was like direction we got from the lord it's not a scripture but we acted on it and we've not been back for 24 years i mean we visit our family but we haven't been back there for 24 years the lord that's the plan that he had for us we left everything and walked away from everything you know to do what he said so sometimes there could be something like that. It's, it's a revelation or word, and there's really not a scripture. You just want to make sure you hear from God on those things. Make sure you hear from God. And if somebody gives you a word like that, make sure you just don't follow. It has to bear witness. And if, the, if it doesn't bear witness, you put it on the shelf, never to be taken off until you get it in your heart. Okay. So um, she went and did as Elijah told her, and, there, and so she obeyed. That this, that's equivalent to us doing what the Bible says. Because in the last days, he's spoken to us through Jesus Christ, his son, and we have a whole book of promises. And, and so it's like that's equivalent of that. And then look at verse number 16. It says, uh, here's the answer. The jar of flour was never empty, and the jug of oil never ran out 
just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So they did, she did exactly what he said, and then what we see is never empty and never ran out. There was a, an unending supply, okay? And then uh, lastly, let's look at this story real quickly. Uh, the, too many loaves and fishes. So John chapter 6 and verse 5, look at the need here. It says, Then Jesus, when he looked up and saw that large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where can we buy bread so that these people may eat? That's the need identified. Then look at this in verse 7. Philip replied, 200 silver coins worth of bread would not be enough for them for each one to get a little. So here is human resource, and what they had humanly and naturally was only enough for a little. And then in verse 9 it says, here's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many people? So here is more stuff just humans natural resource and it's still really not enough now here's the instruction jesus said have the people sit down now i like that the way it started because here's the first thing we want to think sitting down represents rest you know uh, sometimes it's just so nice to get off the legs isn't it and sit down and i used to work jobs where you stand on concrete for at least eight hours a day I couldn't wait to get off the legs after standing on concrete for eight hours a day and sit down. Sitting down represents rest, you know. And so Jesus says, sit down. And by the way, if you, sit, if you work all day, this little side journey, anybody that stands up and works and moves around, they say that they have a life expectancy of five years longer than somebody that sits down. So that means anybody that sits down, use your faith. Don't put up with that. Less, you're going to live long too. <laughs> but they say it's really good. We're moving around and working is really good, by the way. Okay, sorry for that side journey, but sitting down represents rest, okay? And, uh, and so with that in mind, you know, uh, it's by grace through faith. We're, we're in a covenant of grace. And anytime we get full of anxiety and just have all this anxiety and we get pacing and walking around in circles, you know, I used to do that a lot. As a matter of fact, they, I got made fun of by my brothers because I just paced around and walked around and I, and I used to go like this. this. I used to do this when I was younger before I knew the Lord and I, I'd walk around and I'd be like this all the time. You know, I do like to walk and pray nowadays, but I don't walk and pray like this. I, I, I walk and pray like this, you know, and like this, just because of grace, you know. But... What I'm saying is I like that. It's by grace through faith, and we shouldn't become anxious, and we shouldn't try to do it on our own, okay? So he said, sit down, and, and they sat down there, of course. Uh, and then in verse number 11, it says, then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed the bread to those who were seated. And he did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. And so here, here's the way that that speaks, like, you know, they took what they had to him. They, they were resting. They sat down. They took that to him. He blessed it, and it got multiplied. Okay, so we're going to talk about that real here quickly. And then verse 12a, it says they were all satisfied. They were all satisfied. So here's some practical application as we close today, okay? There's two categories of people. Okay, and I'm going to work this in, and it'll, it won't take long. Uh, we, we actually dismissed a couple minutes early in the first service, so it's, it's going to come together real quick. There's two categories of people. 
those that are called to walk away and those that are called to work, okay? So Jesus and Paul is an example. They walked away from everything. And then there's other people that they don't walk away. So in Luke chapter 9 and verse 2, let's look at this category real quickly. It says, Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And look at this. It says, Take nothing for your journey. He instructed them, Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. There is a category of people that are called to throw just everything that they have to the side and walk away from it and follow God, follow the Lord. Not everyone is. It's a percentage of people. But there's that category. And then uh, don't even, don't even t- he said don't even take money. And, and I guess we can relate to that because we, we left everything. And there's that category. And then even in verse number 11, Philippians 4 and verse 11, it says, Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So Paul is one of those guys that he walked away from what he had to follow the Lord. He did that. Okay, but here's what, here's what a person in this category, if you're here and you're in this category, you can relate to it. If you haven't done this yet, you should. But Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And then he further goes, he said, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in and every circumstance, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So, so that means like somebody that is called to just walk away from everything, you know, there can be times in that kind of a lifestyle that you walk away from it, and there can be times where you have abundance, then there can be times where things get really tight, and Paul said it didn't matter if I was, had tight or if I was, I learned how to be content. That goes along with you find out who you are in Christ. You find out that it's not what you have that defines you. You find out that in who you are in Christ, that's, defi- that's who we are. That defines us. So then if you are called to walk away from everything, if you are in a tight situation with your finances, it doesn't mess with your confidence. It doesn't mess with you because you know who you are and you know you're following the Lord and you know if you're obeying Him, you can be okay with tight. Okay, and there is that category of people, and it's important that they learn how to do that. Then there's the other category, okay, and in that category, you just have to ask yourself, you might, if, you're, if, there's, if there's anybody in here you, that's in that category, you just have to ask yourself, do I have peace with the move? Uh, and then you have to always know, if God is saying that, can you make it happen? Can you make that happen? You don't take those kind of steps and think that you can make it happen. Here, here's a statement that the Lord said, like some people think, well, I can use my faith and do anything. And here's what you have to know in these situations before you make a big move like that and you think you can make it happen. Faith doesn't dictate how God's grace is on you. But faith cooperates with how God's grace is on you. And that's a big one. So what does that mean? Well, I can't walk around and say and confess that I'm, I'm an evangelist. I'm, an ev- I can, I'm using my faith and I'm an evangelist. And so I want you to honor that, God, because no, it works the other way. God says you're that, and then you use your faith to cooperate with what God says. Does that make sense? So, so this category, they can't make it happen on their own. You can't use your faith for that. It's 
by grace through faith. Everything is by grace through faith, if that makes sense. Then there's this other category, and it's 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10, those that are called to do this. And it says, even while we were with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Uh, yet we hear that there are some who are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. And so this is what the Bible says about this. So there's that category that are called to walk away and then they have to believe God and live by faith like that. But then the other category, uh, the, the Lord says, get a job. You know, it's real practical. So here's, here's a couple questions to end up on. You know, forgetting even work. Somebody might say, well, I, I have a checklist and I have a dream job, and until that dream job comes, I'm not doing anything. I will not settle for any less. What do you do? Well, here's what I think. You know, this is my thoughts. You don't have to take them, but do you just wait forever to, for a dream job or do you take what's available? It's really good to take what's available. So you remember, like, the fishes and the loaves, like what, what they had wasn't enough to meet the need? Well, you take what's available and then you cooperate with God. You start tithing you start believing and saying the right thing, and you take that, it's amazing how God can multiply it. It might not be the dream job. You continue to believe for your dream job, but you take what's available, and you use your faith in your heart, and let God, the way that they brought the loaves and the fishes, and he prayed, and they got multiplied, you allow the Lord to do that, okay? And that's, that's a good starting place, all right? And, and then, you know, down the road, the dream job could become available, okay? So here's final thoughts. Uh, Jesus took the loaves and the fishes and blessed them, God can bless the work you take when you put him first. And that's really what that whole thing is. The loaves and the fish. You know, what do you have? What can you give? You give what you have to him. You let him bless it and multiply it, okay? And then remember, a job is never your source, but it's a channel that God can bless. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Father, that uh, what was said today, Father God, that you take it, Father, uh, that you bless it and cause it to be... Uh, helpful and revelation uh, to everyone's heart father god that at the right time always that the things that you teach us they'll be there for us when we need them father all the things that are imparted to us father that they'll be there when we need those father we'll know what to do father i pray that that everyone would always know what to do in every situation in jesus name Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.